Thanks. Good morning. It's a great day, and uh, when I realized I was going to be ministering, the Lord laid a message on my heart regarding the issue of freedom. And uh, Memorial Day is a great time to talk about freedom because we have, it's because of the death of so many fine men and women that we enjoy freedom here in America. And, And isn't that really what the whole point of many of the wars around the world are about? It's providing and creating an environment for other people to enjoy freedom as well. I want you to turn to the book of Acts, if you would please, Acts chapter 16. And I want to look at a situation in the life of Paul and Silas. And the Lord gave me several principles of life out of this passage that I call the path to freedom. The path to freedom. But before I get to that, I hope as you're turning there, let me share with you the top ten comments you will never hear at church. The top ten things that you will never hear at church. Number one. Well, let me start with number ten. Number ten. And David Letterman has nothing to do with this. Number ten. Nothing inspires me and strengthens my commitment more than when someone preaches on giving. Number nine. Pastor, we'd like to send you to a Bible seminar in the Bahamas. Not going to hear that. Number eight. Since we're all here, let's start the service early. You know, we have like four different services on Sunday morning. We have the 9.30 service, we have the 9.40 service, we have the 9.50 service, and we have a 10 o'clock service. Which one do you attend? Never mind. Number seven, I love it when we sing choruses I've never heard before. Ouch. Number six. Forget the denominational minimum salary. Let's pay our pastor so he can live like we do. Man, I'm going to hear that one. Number five, I volunteered to be the permanent teacher for the junior high boys class. I want to meet that person. Number four, I've decided to give our church the $500 a month I used to send to televangelists. Hallelujah. Number three, Personally, I find witnessing much more enjoyable than golf. I did not write that one. I'm still praying on that one. Number two, I was so enthralled, I never noticed your sermon went 25 minutes over time. You'll never hear that. And number one, hey, it's my turn to sit in the front row. No, not here. The path to freedom. How many, would you mind if I took my coat off because I, I want to? Freedom. It's something that we need to learn to live in freedom, to be free, to truly live and understand who we are in Christ as free people. Amen? There are four things in this passage of Scripture, in Acts 16, that I think will help you achieve 
total freedom in God. And as I shared a little last night, I am preaching to myself, you just get to listen. And, you know, I've, I've been in the ministry, well, less time than Pastor Merrill, but 37 years. And uh, after 37 years, you, you tend to get kind of, you know, used to things, and you kind of just adjust to issues and situations. And the Lord just really dropped this on my heart and said, I want you to start living free. I want you to be freer than you've ever been before. And I thought, okay, God, that sounds like fun. Let's do that. And so he took me to this passage, and I want to take you there and go on this little journey with me. It begins in verse number 16 of chapter 16 of the book of Acts. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners for, by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar, by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. All right? Up to this point, let's, let's see what's happened. Paul and Silas have come to this place, this area of Philippi, and in this area, there was, a, there was a prayer group that had gathered. These were believing Jews. They believed and accepted Christ. Lydia was a part of this group. And they met by a river. They were not allowed to have a place of worship within the city limits, so they met outside the city by this river. And Paul and Silas had heard of this and were, were going there to encourage them, talk about it, try to help build a church. That was his main function for going there. He gets there, and he's spending some time there, and this, this fortune-telling girl, her reputation was well-known in, the, in, the, in this area, she comes up along behind them and begins to advertise for Paul and Silas. Now, it'd be almost like our former Governor Blagojevich coming in and telling us what a wonderful pastor Pastor Merrill is. Think about it. You know, if he were to come in and say, you know, this man is a man of integrity, I should know. This is a, he's a great man. We're personal friends. I like him. He's a great guy. We spend a lot of time together. Pastor Merrill would eventually say, you know, wait a minute, Rod. None of that's true. It's not true. We are not good friends. I am a man of integrity. I'm not, you know, he'd be telling the truth, but his reputation would just destroy the testimony. Here is this fortune-telling young girl telling all these people, you gotta, these, are telling, these are servants of the Most High God are telling you to be saved. Bad advertisement. They're telling the truth, but it's coming through a, a messenger that just doesn't work. And so Paul eventually gets tired of this and says, you know what? I'm going to demonstrate the power of God. Watch this. Turns around and says, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. Get out of here, you evil spirit. Get lost. 
Instantly, she is set free. Prisoner number one is set free. There's a couple more prisoners that are going to get set free in this story. The prison, number one prisoner is set free. So now, Paul and Silas, now what have they taught that is sending this city in an uproar? Nothing. They were lied about. The owners of these guys dragged them in. They owned this girl. They dragged them into the center, into the marketplace, into the very center. Try to imagine that you have just done something amazingly wonderful for somebody, and they pull you into the center of Woodfield Mall, right in the middle, I mean, at Christmas time, when there's 8 billion people there. And then, you know, and the manager of the mall comes out and decides that, and you know, he says, you know, th these people, this Pastor Fred and his gang are creating all kinds of problems here at the mall. What should we do? Well, let's strip them and beat them. Now, there's a happy thought right off the bat. Let's just attack these men. Let's just beat them. And then we'll throw them into prison. For doing what? For setting someone free. That was their only, their only violation of life. But, you see, how many of you realize that things happen in our lives that we don't understand for a greater good? For a greater good? Now let's look at the rest of this story. Verse 24, upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in, in the stocks. He wanted to make sure these guys did not go anywhere. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners we're listening to them. Point number one, acknowledge God. In the midst of your difficulties, in the midst of your life, if you will learn this powerful principle on, on the road to freedom, you will be well on your way to victory, and that is this. If you will acknowledge God in the midst of every situation of life, things begin to happen. When you acknowledge God... It does, I'm not talking about believing in God. I'm talking about acknowledging Him. Because, see, I could believe in you as a person and totally ignore you. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful if every time you came to church, you'd come up to me and try to shake my hand, and I refused to acknowledge your existence. I'd see you coming, I'd immediately turn away. And you'd come up, you'd tap me on the shoulder, and I'd just, do you realize how many people do that to God every single day? They ignore Him. They refuse to acknowledge Him. And these are Christians. These are people that know better. They, will, they, they face a difficult situation in their life. They face a problem or something, and they will not acknowledge God. They will not stop in the midst of their situation and just say, Father, I just praise you. I thank you. I don't understand this, but... Hallelujah. Paul and Silas are in the midst of a prison situation. It's about midnight. They are in stocks. They're in the inner cell. It's dark. It smells. It's probably a horrible situation. And what are they doing? Praying and singing hymns to God. Some of you are, some of you are shouting hallelujah right there. Hymns. Hallelujah. Hymns. Shouting, singing hymns. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Now try to imagine this situation. 
Out of no fault of their own, they have found themselves stripped, beaten, humiliated, beaten, and placed in prison. Their response is to acknowledge God in the midst of that. Unfortunately, many of us are probably like me. Had I been in that situation, I'd be sitting in that prison going, God! God! Where are you, God? Don't you see what's just happened? It's not fair. I want you to eliminate that word from your vocabulary. Life isn't fair anyway, so don't even go there. Who cares? But just... God, what? Explain this to me. Why is this happening to me? What's going on? God, where are you? Hello? You know what I think they were praying? I believe Paul was saying, Heavenly Father, thank you that we have been counted worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ. This is nothing in comparison to what Christ suffered for me. I thank you, God. I praise you, God, for the opportunity to not only have set this young lady free, but for the opportunities that yet await us, and I don't know what or when or how. Paul did not know an earthquake was coming. But he began to praise God. I wonder if Silas said, Paul, shh, don't be so loud. The other prisoners will hear us. And Paul was probably thinking, you're right. God is an awesome God! I mean, he's just, just ripping the place apart. Just praising the Lord. Hallelujah! You want to scare the devil and some other people around you? The next time you get bad news about anything, just go, Our God is an awesome God! Yeah, in your office or wherever you are. <laughs> you get your pink slip. Of course, they'll usher you out a little faster than they would normally would have. But the doctor gives you some bad news. I've got bad news. Doesn't look good. I don't know how much longer you have to live. Hallelujah! You have mental issues too, I see. See, we have stopped understanding the power of praising God in the midst of a tough time. When you don't understand it, praise the Lord. See, free people think differently than prisoners. You see, Paul and Silas, they were prisoners, but they weren't prisoners. Do you understand that? Well, that doesn't make any sense, but... The other men, or the other people, wherever they were, they were prisoners. And they were waiting for whatever may come their way. Paul and Silas were prisoners, but they were so excited that they were praying and, and praising God. You see, worship is about living free. It's the acknowledging of God. It's acknowledging God in the midst of our daily lives and understanding how important that is. Don't just be a believer, be an acknowledger. Acknowledge God, bless Him, praise Him. And so they did, they acknowledged God. Now what happened? You see, when you begin to praise God in the midst of a tough time, God takes notice. I'm sure the Lord was up there going, he, he's, lit, he's watching this and 
They're praying. That's cool. They're praising. They're singing. This is amazing. Angels, come here a minute. Come here. Look at this. See Paul and Silas? Isn't that amazing? I can't just leave them there. Watch this. God sends an earthquake. Look at what it says. Verse 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once. All of the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. Let's stop there for a second. You see, when we are in a difficult situation, when, we are, when the enemy is trying to imprison us in a, in a habit, in, a, in bad news, in a difficulty, and you, and you acknowledge God in the midst of that, God will shake your life. You ever had your life shaken? In, uh, when was that? 1992. I was, minerous, I was at a, on staff at a church in Chicago. On a Wednesday night, I was handed an envelope. And in that envelope was what, they, what was called a notice of release. I was being let go from that church. The senior pastor and I, both of us. Very interesting situation. You see, both of us had, had grown weary in... In this war that was going on, it was you know church people leaving and issues and problems, and we had gotten weary. And so the and so you know in the midst of that, we were still acknowledging God. It's not that we ever said you know God, what's going on here? We don't understand it. But the Lord came and He shook our world. He shook my world. Point number two: You have to endure the shaking. You got to endure the shaking. You acknowledge God, but you have to endure the shaking. God will shake you. He'll shake your world. For four years, I was out of full-time ministry. I was still in part-time, but I was out of full-time ministry. I was doing secular work. It's a life and health insurance examiner. When I was in college, I was trained how to be a, a phlebotomist, a blood drawer. Can you imagine me showing up at your door saying, I'm here to take your blood? <laughs> <laughs> Had a lot of weird looks, but they were cool. I was I was dressed nice to make sure you know that they were okay. I could, I have some amazing stories about that, but I don't have time to go into those. But anyway, my world was shaken. What does an unemployed pastor do? I don't know. You find something, but God made a way. I endured that shaking, and it was because of that that a prophecy that had been given to me years before that that said I would someday travel to foreign countries and train pastors. And in that situation, made no sense to me whatsoever. But as God shook my world, moved me from that church to Christian Life Church, we came and began to attend, and I came and laid at Pastor Merrill's feet begging for mercy and help, and he opened up a door of opportunity. Within a few years... I was on a plane to India to teach trained pastors. You see, when God shakes your world, he's getting you ready for something else, not just so that you can sit in a prison and, you know, go, ooh, cool, the door just opened. No, he shakes us 
so that we can step out of that situation. How many of you struggle, like I do at times, with with just stuff that you don't want in your life? The enemy comes and he tries to convince you that the only way you will ever function is within that prison cell. If you'll acknowledge God in the midst of that. Don't try to, don't try to take care of it yourself. Don't buy a self-help book. That's crazy. You want the best self-help book in the world ever written? It's right here. It's the Word of God. Acknowledge God and then, ex- then get ready for the shaking. Because he will shake your world. He has, to cha- he has to move some things around in order to, to change some things. Endure the shaking. The prison doors swung open. Chains came loose. And then the third things took place. Free people impact others. You start to impact other people. God will not set you free just so that you'll feel good. He will set you free so that you can touch someone else's life. So that you can impact someone else's life. Since my shaking back in October of 1992, I have traveled, I've taught in Romania, I've sung on the Sea of Galilee, I've taught in India twice. I can't go back there anymore, they won't give me a visa. I think I'm too tall. I don't know. But through Pastor Merrill and Pastor Darrell, I have been afforded opportunities to impact multiplied thousands of people that I would never have come in contact with. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the shaking. Had my world not been shaken, I would not be here. I may have, you know, if my world hadn't been shaken back in 1970, or 1973 it was, 73, 74, 73. When the Lord, uh, wait, hold on a minute, 77. There we go, now I got it, 77. In 1977, I graduated from seminary. I was ready to, I was ready to, you know, change the world. And then I got, I didn't get any responses. I had sent resumes everywhere and nothing, nothing was opening, nothing happened. And so I, on a Wednesday, I went into the office where, my, where Linda worked, an insurance agency, and I said, you know what? I'm not getting any bites on my resume, so you know what? I'll just be an insurance agent. I'll be a well-educated insurance agent. I can sell people insurance and lead them to Christ. It'll work perfect. Yeah, that'll, like, that'll work. And so I had decided to make some adjustments. I, hadn't, I, I didn't acknowledge God at that, at that moment. But God was not done with me. So he shook my little world one more time. He sent me to southern Indiana for seven years. Transformed my life. I had more fun down there than it's spiritually legal. I mean, we had a grand and wonderful time. But my world was shaken. And I impacted a bunch of kids. Started with 35 children in in that school. And over the seven years, by the time we left there, 185 kids were coming to the Christian school. Hundreds of children had come through there. Some I'd prayed with, some I'd spanked, some I'd prayed with and spanked. My world was shaken. Why? So that I could move and impact some other people, impact others' other lives. So now, 
The jailhouse is shaken. What happens? The jailer woke up when he saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Roman law said that if a jailer allows any prisoners to escape, he is to be executed. Failure was not acceptable in the Roman law. And so the jailer figured, you know, I'm dead anyway, so he was going to take his own life. Paul shouts, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At, the hour of the, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and the whole family was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God. You have no idea what you're shaking will do to set somebody else free. Two prisoners that set an entire family free. It's 12 o'clock at night. It's midnight. The jailer gets saved. Now they're three, probably 3 in the morning. Here they are having dinner. They're having a baptismal service. They're having a great time. And apparently, this, the way the story seems to read, is that Paul and Silas ended up going back to the prison house until the next morning until the, you know, the end of that time. The jailer gets information. Well, let's read it. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison, and now they do. Now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No! Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates. When they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them, and then they left. You see, free people have this amazing confidence about them. See, Paul was not about just getting out of prison and moving on. He was about establishing a precedent in that city. He was not going to walk away and let these magistrates just do whatever they want, and then Paul and Silas would just quietly disappear. No, Paul was going to make some, make some, make some things right. And so he said, look, we are Roman citizens and we will be treated accordingly. Paul had a sense of freedom about him and a confidence that said, you will come, You're, the magistrates that punished us will come and escort us out of the city and apologize accordingly. You see, as free people, don't apologize for your faith. When I was in college, I studied the religions of the world. My degree is in religious studies. So I've studied Buddhism, Mohammedism, Hinduism, all the religions of the world. Not one of them offers freedom. They offer no hope. They offer no opportunities. They offer no reality. Only Christianity. Only Christ. Only Christ will set you free. 
Only Jesus will make a difference in your life. Only he can take what the world has messed up and turn it right. To walk free, to live free, to be free, free from, from, the, from the worries and the cares of this life. To be able to realize that, you know, my car broke down. You're standing on the side of the road just thanking Jesus. Jesus, my car broke down. Yes, I'm aware of that. Do you have a cell phone? Yes, I do. Well, then call someone that can fix it. But Lord, just do it. The doctor gives you bad news. Cancer, some, some terrible news. How should we as freedom, free Christians respond to that? Not, oh no, what am I going to do? But Lord... What are you going to do? Father, what are you going to do? Is this my, is this my ticket home? Is that, is that what's going on here? Lord, do you want to receive the glory out of healing me? That's totally awesome. God, what do you want to do? How do you want to handle this? How are you going to handle this? Don't try to fix your own life. It's not yours anyway. Let God... Let God, if you'll acknowledge God, I, again, I have learned this lesson the hard way. If you'll acknowledge God on a daily basis in every situation of life, He will come and shake. There'll be some shaking going on. The place will shake, but it's shaking to let some things go. Too many Christians are redecorating their prisons. You know, we're just all looking for ways to dress up our prison. No, get out of there. Get out of that. Get out of that habit. Get out of that issue. Get out of that depression. Get out of that stuff. Acknowledge God. Endure the shaking. And then realize that your life is designed to impact someone else. And then the fourth thing is then move forward in your freedom. I close with a, a very quick look at Ephesians chapter 6. What do free people look like? What do free people look like? They look like warriors. They look like soldiers. Verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes... Now, how many of you realize that the day of evil is really close? I think we're in it. You may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, Free people know how to talk free. They know how to talk free. With the breastplate of righteousness in place, they know how to feel free. They know how to feel free. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, they know how to walk free. In addition to all this, take up the, help, the shield of faith. They know how to defend freedom with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. They know how to think free. 
And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, because we know how to fight free. If you're tired of just living your Christian life as a victim, and as a, you know, I'm just struggling through, I'm crawling through life, and, you know, oh Lord, help me make it to the end. That's not how, free people don't talk like that. Free people move into places and they say, get out of my, please step aside, please step aside, I'm taking care of some things here. They come armored. I saw a t-shirt when I was in college years ago, it was great. Christian shirt said, don't fight naked. <laughs> That's an ugly picture. But as a Christian, don't, go, don't, don't be facing up to the enemy naked. That's ridiculous. What will he do? Well, you're already stripped, so he'll just beat you and throw you in jail. The helmet of self. Think free. Speak free. Feel free. Walk free. Defend free. Fight free. Do it. Do it. Let's do it. Can it be done? Well, sure, the same spirit that, you know, set Christ, that brought Christ out of the grave, is alive and living within us. So, what are we waiting for? I don't know. I have no idea. What are we waiting for? Somebody to tell you to do it? Well, I just did. So, let's go do it. Amen? Let's live free. I gotta... I gotta go on a little trip, so let's pray. Father, in the name that is above every name, we acknowledge you. You are worthy of glory. You are worthy of honor. You are worthy of our respect. You are worthy of our praise. And Father, we desire to allow you to have you shake our worlds so that we will step out of the prison cell that the enemy has convinced us is the way of life. Shake it loose. Bring us out. Help us to begin to lead others to Christ so that they can be as free as we are. And then, Father, help us to step forward in our freedom and become a true freedom fighter in a world that is filled with prisoners. There are prisoners of war, prisoners of the spiritual war everywhere. They are everywhere. And Father, we, we are the ones that have the word of life to let them know that they can be free. But help us to fight free, live free, and be free as, our, as those amazing men and women are around the world fighting for freedom for nations and sometimes don't even appreciate it. But Father, thank you for this day and your blessing. And I ask you to bless my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Thank you, Pastor Fred. What a great message on uh, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, let's live it. That's great. God can do it for us. And just good to see all of you here this morning. Uh, with people traveling, family get-togethers, a lot of people out 
doing other things, but I'm glad you are here and that we're blessing the Lord. And I uh, want to thank God for the ministry that's taking place all over the building with parents, out with children, and so on. It's really kind of neat to uh, see what what's happening all the way around because God has set us free to worship Him, to be in church, to praise His holy name. I want to really thank you for praying for me this morning and to continue to pray for me this week, next week, as I'm in the Dominican Republic, uh, teaching every day, preaching on Sunday, and that uh, God will bless us while we're there and be anointed. Thank you for just caring. And let me also mention, uh, we don't say too much, and the regular people are used to it, but uh, this morning we had not just one people bring bread and muffins and so on, but two different uh, sources brought muffin and bread. I don't know if there's any left, but uh, it's always in the kitchen right over here, and uh, we don't need any of the muffins left over or bread left over. If, you, if there's any, stick your head in the door. If there's some and you'd like uh, to help yourself, we just want to make, it, make you aware that it's available. So he's blessed a lot of people and want to thank the people that, that bring it so faithfully. Amen. Would you stand with me for the benediction and uh, let's be free this morning and enjoy uh, the, the holiday weekend. But most of all, in every circumstances, what do we do? Give God praise. In all things, give thanks. May the Lord bless you, protect you. May the Lord smile upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Dear Lord, I just pray that you will give us peace in the midst of the storm. Give us favor even if we're in prison, if we're in bondage. Be gracious unto you, unto us. Protect us. Let your favor be upon us. Help us, the Lord, to put in practice the message, the word, the, the, the presence of God we've had in this service this morning. May we go our way being blessed of you. And everybody said amen. Amen. If you need special prayer, I'll be down here afterwards. God bless you. Greet one another as you go and have a great day. I want to see